All right, well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining in uh, with us this morning. You know, I have to admit, every time I see that bumper video, I'm like so impressed. I, I love pie, so it looks great. I, it makes me hungry. And, uh, and I also confess, I will confess, that it would be very easy for me simply to give, uh, if I was sharing with you, I'd, I'd give you your little slice, and then I'd, I'd quickly hoard the rest of it for myself, you know? I, I just, I love, I love pie. But I also think that that's kind of a metaphor for this series, and it reminds us about what we're talking about. In other words, you know, it's really easy many times, at least for me, I find myself, I'll give my slice of my money, my energy, my resources to God, but then really the rest of it belongs to me, right? And that's, but that's, that's not really what, what the scriptures remind us of. I just want to read a couple verses, just Psalm 24, verse 1 says, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Or in Romans chapter 14, just this reminder, for none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. In other words, all of it, all of it belongs to God. None of us uh, lives for ourselves, it's, it's all his. And so uh, this morning, this is what I'd like for you to do, just for a moment, if you'd play along with me. Uh, I'd like for you to imagine that um, your pie, we're going to talk about uh, your pie as being time, uh, just to think of it in, in that way. And, and one way to play along is to, to know that you have named your pie. So for me, my pie is uh, Caramel Pecan Silk Supreme, okay? That is my pie. Okay, I, I love that pie. So uh, even saying those words, just think about that. Caramel pecan silk supreme. I mean, it is worth the trip to Village Inn. I might just go there afterwards and go get it. But what does what your pie look like? Okay, what is your pie? So you've got your pie in mind. So if you think about your pie in terms of time, and during a course of a week, we have about 100, we have 168 hours. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we have 168 hours. We're all giving the same portion. We're all given the same size pie. Now, if you uh, do the math and you think about, well, about uh, seven, eight hours of that time, uh, I want to rest each day. And so there's roughly 50, give or take a few, depending on how much uh, you need to, to rest or sleep. Uh, you're sleeping about that that amount of time. And then, so it leaves anywhere from about 100 and, let's say, 110 to 120 hours of awake time. Okay? So you've got 110, 120 awake time. What is it that we as adults, at least most of us as adults, spend most of our time doing? Well, we work, right? We, we spend our time working. In fact, many of us work that, that full time and, and then we come home and we work or uh, maybe you're working, full, working a job and you're, you're doing a side hustle here or there or you're working two jobs. And so much of our time is actually given uh, to work. And uh, I wanna recognize that and, and say how in the world, if given that portion of time, when we think about the amount of hours we give, anywhere from a third to maybe over half of our time, of, of our awake time, is given to our work. And that's a huge portion of our pie, right? So, 
We want to talk about today, how are we connecting our Sunday faith to our Monday work? If God owns it all, if he's the owner of our pie, all of it is his, how are we recognizing his work in our life uh, as we go to work and as we live out our faith uh, every week? So I want to talk a little bit about that. But first, I want to recognize that, that in the course of 2020, things have been so disruptive and our work has changed in lots of ways. And so I have a few, just a few pictures really quickly. Maybe you had a team meeting and at one point it looked like this. And now it, after COVID, it looks more like this. Or maybe you actually had a conference room where you had some team meetings together. And uh, now it's more like this. Uh, you're online on Zoom. Or maybe you're working from home and your reality is more like that. You know, whatever it is. So the question this morning, just, just for a little while, I want to ask this, how are we connecting Sunday faith to Monday work? And the way we're going to kind of explore this together is I want to look at one verse. It's from Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 17. This is a great section in the book of Colossians. I love Colossians. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And uh, it comes in a section where Paul is talking about how we are raised with Christ and we're called to to put, set our minds on him, to set our hearts on him, we're to shed that earthly sort of sinful nature, and we're to put on the character of Jesus, his, his clothing, if you will. And at the end of this section, he simply says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, in other words, whether you speak or act, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. I think if we're going to connect Sunday faith to Monday work, there's some simple foundational truths that, that this verse reveals to us. And the first is this, that Paul reminds us that we work in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what does it mean to, to work in the name of the Lord Jesus? It's simply this idea that I work under the authority or under the orders of someone else or of the Lord Jesus, that I, that I am called by him. In other words, that when I go to work, my true boss is Jesus himself that I'm called first and foremost uh, to him. In fact, that's a word that we Christians often use, is this idea of calling. And calling simply means that we're summoned or we're invited into. And this idea that when we are called or summoned by God, whatever we do, whether in word or in deed, we are summoned or invited into uh, working for and under the authority of the Lord Jesus himself. You know, I have a friend who often talks about this idea of being called, and he, he uses this, this, uh, this, this sort of concept, and he says, you know what, it really is two invitations that are involved. The first invitation is true for every man, woman, or child, that we are summoned or invited by the Lord Jesus, that we are summoned by faith to say, you know what, he... We are called to this deeper intimacy 
by faith into relationship with him. That's our first calling. We are called to know him and to follow him. We're invited into that. That's our, that's our calling. And I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, what would that mean for us as we think about our work, as we think about what it means to be uh, connecting our Sunday faith to our Monday work, that our first calling is to recognize that Jesus is our boss. And we're invited into this relationship, this deeper in connection with him. No matter where we are on our faith journey, we are invited, we are called into this journey to be more deeply connected to Jesus. That's the invitation number one. Then my friend, he'll often describe this, this idea of, or, of an order or calling, this summons. He'll say, we're also called to be Christ's servants. Christ's servants in the world. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it this way in another uh, uh, book of the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 2, he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is where I think we often get sort of confused or, or wondering. We think that God has called us into a particular place or a particular thing to do. And that's true. He may be preparing us for a particular thing that we do. Now, in this, pre, in this COVID kind of world, our world has been so disruptive, and sometimes I think we get stuck there, and we think, wow, you know, because of this, I am not able to do what I think God is calling me to do. Or circumstances have changed in my life, so I'm, I'm not really living out my calling before the Lord. Well, I was listening to a blogger and a, and a thought leader, Joe Saxton is her name, uh, recently, and she reminded me of just the challenges sometimes when we think, wow, we're not really doing what the Lord wants us to do. And uh, she said, you know, she had all of these plans. She had uh, written a book, and uh, this was pre-COVID, and it was supposed to be released during, during right when the, when the pandemic hit. And then she was supposed to have a tour, a speaking tour, and she was doing all these things, and she was convinced that God had called her to do that. And yet all of it was on hold. And so she was having this conversation with God, and uh, she was just saying, God, why is this happening? Why, why am I not living out what I know that you want me to live out? And uh, she was just reminded in that moment that I'm not only called by God to recognize that I'm invited into this relationship with him, but I'm also called to live in the life that I'm already living, not the life that I wish I was living, that I'm called to be a servant in that life that I'm already living. She said, you know what? I have a family. I have children. I have neighbors. My kids have teachers. I have coworkers. I have all of those things. And so I am to recognize that I am under the authority of Jesus and that I am serving him in that place, uh, whether I am living the life that I thought I was going to live or the li to recognize that, that that is the life that I am called to right now. Maybe God is calling me to something different, but am I living 
under the authority of Jesus and living his calling out in the life that I'm already living. That's, that's really a challenge. And he's called us to live that out in our work, in our workplaces. Whether or not that's the long term or if that's, that's just the reality right now, he's called us to work. In fact, work has always been a part of God's plan. That's really a unique thing. If you go back way in the early part of Genesis, before the fall, in Genesis 2, chapter 2, verse 15, it says there, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, or Abadah, to work it and take care of it. The Hebrews use a, a unique word called Abadah, and Avodah has multiple meanings. It takes three huge concepts and kind of mashes them into one. Avodah literally means work, worship, and service in Hebrew. Let me give, give you some, some verses. This is from Exodus 34, verse 21. It says, six days shall you work, or Avodah. Or Exodus 8, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship or avoda me. Or in Joshua 24, verse 15. This is a verse that uh, you probably have a, a plaque on your house or on your, your door. And it says this. But as for me and my household, we will serve or avoda the Lord. So Joshua is literally, literally saying, I will have it, I will work for, I will worship, I will serve the Lord. In other words, this is a picture of an integrated life. I'm submitting to, I am working for, ultimately, the Lord Jesus, Paul reminds us. I'm called by him, I'm summoned, I'm invited. I work for him. And wherever I do, whatever I do, in word or in deed, I do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's go back to Colossians 3, verse 17. Let me read it again. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want to go back to in the name, that phrase again. I think there's another meaning to that. Not only are we sort of under the orders of the Lord Jesus, we also represent the Lord Jesus. We work in the name or represent the Lord Jesus. You know, when my kids were growing up and uh, they got involved in sports, um, I often reminded them when they put on their jersey, I said, you know what, you need to remember that you represent lots of things, not just yourself, by putting on a jersey. I said, you represent our community, you represent your school, and you also represent me, us, our name, because our name is on the back. So go represent yourself well. Compete hard, be a good sport, uh, cheer on your teammates. Have a, do, do a great job of representing the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that in terms of our work. If we're to connect our Sunday faith to Monday work, what does it mean to represent the Lord Jesus? Now, I asked this question uh, last week uh, to, to Grundy uh, crew. We, I was there uh, teaching, and I said, you know, my guess is 
all of us have gone to work and uh, we all have bosses or supervisors. We've probably all experienced that unless we've worked by, for ourselves uh, uh, during our work life, but we've all experienced that. Now, my guess is this, that all of us and the people you work for had an opinion about your boss or your supervisor, he or she. And, and it's simple. It's because they spend 40 plus hours of their life and their life is on display before you. You get to know them. You have an opinion about them. And the same is true about you. Your bosses and your coworkers see your life. It is in this workplace that your life is on display. Your character will come out. It just is. The world is watching. When you go to work on Monday, you represent your community, you represent yourself, you represent, ultimately, Paul says, the Lord Jesus himself. And it's there, oftentimes, that ethical decisions where our faith sort of hits the road. In fact, I, I read a survey uh, not long ago. It was a survey taken of uh, people of faith in particular. So it was a, a fairly small sample size. And it was uh, of people in a, in a diverse sort of occupational roles. And it asked a series of questions about ethical decisions that, that they faced in the workplace. Here's the first question. Which ethical decision or dilemma have you encountered while at work? Well, 44% said that they faced sexual pressures. Another 40% uh, talked about dishonesty. 77% uh, they said they faced having a good attitude when they went to work. Or uh, another 30% said cheating others. Or 58% talked about disagreeing with the boss properly, that that was one of the, the challenges that they, that they faced. Or two-thirds talked about dealing with difficult customers. And 42% uh, said that they had to, to deal with this idea of balance of faith and work and family life. So then there was a follow-up question. And that follow-up question was simply this. Do you feel that you handled these issues well? <laughs> well, 26% said yes. 74% said no. Because it's hard. So how do we represent Christ well in our workplace, with our customers, with our suppliers, with our coworkers, with all the people that we inter interact with? Well, I want to give you just a little bit of a framework or a maybe a sort of compasses that you might think about your work. And I'm really indebted to a guy by the name of Andy Crouch, who is, uh, is a blogger and also leads a think tank and helps Christians uh, develop businesses, an entrepreneur center, uh, kind of think about ways they can do good in business life. And he suggests there's three ways to think about your work. One is, he, he says, is, is exploitative. A second is ethical. And a third is redemptive. So let me just kind of uh, unpack each of those a little bit for you. 
The first, exploitative. What Andy talks about is that this really is the way of the world in, in many ways. It is this idea of leveraging every opportunity to maximize profits for yourself, for your company, for your shareholders. It's, it's seeking to destroy your competition. It's, it's being involved in every way to sort of to gain as much as you possibly can. Market share, profits, all of those things. Then he talked about this idea of thinking about work from an ethical standpoint. Like, it's an opportunity for, for me to improve self and the world. It's trying to do the right thing. Now, he said, this is really good. We need lots of people who are ethical in what they do. And we need lots of companies who are ethical. And it's very important for the common good that we have those ethical people and ethical companies. But then he said, he made this call for those of us who are followers of, of Jesus, who are Christians. He said, can you think about your work as a place to be redemptive? Now this, he says, requires some things. It's beyond doing the right thing and asking yourself, am I doing maybe the sacrificial thing? This idea that, that I'm going to pick up my cross and deny myself, or I'm going to pick up a towel and basin and wash the feet of the other. I'm, I'm uh, trying to serve, not only do the right thing, but I'm, I'm seeking to bless the other person. In fact, he goes on to say, um, in my understanding the vulnerabilities of the most vulnerable in your company or amongst your customers or in your community? And am I being pushed to the broken parts of the world? And am I cognizant? Am I aware of that? Am I being truly uh, understanding of that? And so let me give you just a couple of quick stories of what, what redemptive work might look like. In the Old Testament, there's this concept called gleaning. And the idea was simply this. God told his people, he said, you know, when you, when you uh, go to harvest, make sure you take what you need for yourself and for your family, but leave some portions of the land, of the harvest out and available, especially for the widow and the orphan and for those in need, or maybe even the stranger, so that we can give them a couple things, God, God reminds his people. He said that we can give them the dignity of work and the opportunity to provide for themselves. And so you actually read about this, this concept in the book of Ruth. Is Ruth went to Boaz's plots of land and she harvested. She worked so she could provide for her and her mother-in-law. Well, this summer, or actually uh, this spring, my son, he was looking for uh, summer work uh, he was, he's studying to be an engineer. He wanted to get an internship. And he worked really hard at trying to kind of develop some, some opportunities. And one by one, because of the pandemic, they just went away. Well, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Eric Mant. Eric Mant, who is, uh, owns a company here. His family owns a business here, and he's part of our church. He called Cameron and said, Cameron, I'd like to hire you for the summer. And uh, in fact, not only Cameron, but he hired another college student, and he gave them an opportunity to get some, uh, some, uh, some I, I would say, real opportunity to learn and grow. Now, I'm not sure how much they helped the company, but Eric was being redemptive and thinking about how can I help them grow and get some opportunities. And it was a true blessing. It provided Cameron some means and to help pay for school, and it gave him some real opportunities to learn and grow. 
Now, another story, another story, true story about a couple who own a business, a design and consulting firm, a marketing firm. Uh, during the, the pandemic, they realized that, that they had uh, kind of leveraged into uh, most of their business was, was around one client, and it was dangerous uh, for their business, and they were concerned about that. In fact, they, they were owed a, a large sum of money. Now, the ethical thing was to say, you know, it's, it's okay to ask for, uh, to be paid for work that's already been done. But they were uh, Christians and trying to say, well, what, what might be the redemptive thing? Because they were convinced that if they asked of this company uh, what they were due, they would probably uh, put the company out of business. And so they asked for some, some advice, and they brought people around them and uh, other, other people of faith. And in fact, one of, one of the words of advice was, well, it's okay. The Bible talks about not suing believers, but it, it seems like the way of the world, it's an ethical thing to do. You, you could do that if, if they're not going to be able to pay. You could seek to sue them. And so they said, ah, we're not ready to go there. We want to pray about this. And so they began to pray. And they both came back and decided that God was leading them to actually wipe it out, to write it off, at great risk to their own company. And so they called the person that they were working with, the manager, and uh, they told him, he said, you know what, we're not going to require this, we're going to write this off, we want you to do well. And within just a few seconds, they heard weeping on the phone. And then the, the gentleman started sharing. He said, you know what? Just a few days ago, I gave my life to Christ, and, and I've been praying about this, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, God. And so this is an incredible answer to prayer. Well, as it turned out, that company actually went away. And uh, this couple that owned this business, they were in grave danger of losing their own business. But God actually took this young man that they had been mentoring with and dealing with at this other company and placed him in a new company, to run an, another company that was actually larger than the one before, and they did a whole bunch more business. Now, it worked out for them, but they were thinking about how can we work redemptively? What does it mean to work redemptively, to represent Christ well? To represent him. Your life is on display wherever you go, wherever you work. Okay, so let's go back to Colossians chapter 3 really quickly. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let me just look at that last phrase. If we're going to connect Sunday faith with Monday work, we work for the Lord, we represent the Lord, but at the end it says, remember to give thanks to God the Father. To give thanks. What does it mean to give thanks, and why should we give thanks? Some of you maybe have a hard time of giving thanks to go to work on Monday, but let me just suggest some things. One thing is to thank God for our work because it gives us purpose and meaning. It allows us to do something with our time. It's an opportunity, even if, let's say if I'm scrubbing the floors of John Deere, it's part of being part of something bigger that I'm a part of a company that helps create machines, that help feeds the world. Our work provides purpose and meaning. It also provides for us. 
In fact, in, for many of us, it provides very well for us. And so we ought to give thanks to God for that provision that he uses our work to provide for our families, to be able to own a home or cars or to go on vacation and all of those things. But it also gives us an opportunity to thank God for the people that we work with, for our coworkers, for our customers, for our suppliers, for our bosses, to give thanks to God. What would that be like if we simply had a list of those people that we interact with every day and we thank God for them, to thank God for them? And let me just give you one last challenge. As we give thanks to God, as we begin this thanksgiving season, we can thank God for his work, for work that he's provided for us. But we can also begin, I think, for people of faith, one way of giving thanks is simply giving back. To say, I've been blessed by God. I want to give back for the sake of the kingdom and for the work of the kingdom of God. And I want to do it generously. I want to do it sacrificially to recognize that it all belongs to God. This whole pie, that caramel pecan silk supreme is his. I'm his. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just the opportunity that we have uh, to gather and to be reminded that you have provided for us in so many different ways. Thank you for uh, work and for the privilege that we have uh, to be able to go to work and to provide for us. Lord, help us to do that well. Help us to go with your marching orders. Help us to represent you well. Help us uh, to give thanks for all that you've given and all that you've provided. Lord, as we enter into this Thanksgiving season, May we be grateful. I know it's been a crazy year. It's been a topsy-turvy kind of season of life. And Lord, we wish we could be together and in person here at church. We wish things weren't the way they are uh, in so many areas of our life right now. But Lord, we're still called to be your servant, to represent you, and to do that well. Lord, lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.